Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. She grew up with the children of the stars. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 5 of the LA Kings podcast here on the Believe Network, the only place with a show for every team in LA. I'm your co-host Shannon Bentley alongside Kevin McClelland, and we've got a lot to talk about today, so let's get started. All right, so we got a good one here. Looks like time's running out on these guys though, huh? Oh man, I... I tell you, they're uh, on a five-game losing streak right now, and you absolutely called it, Mr. McClellan, the hometown distraction. They did not win one single home game. Yeah, that first game they come back and played Vancouver, you know, I mean, they they were playing well, and they just give up that late goal there to get it tied up, and they end up losing uh, in a shootout, so... You know, you always got to go home and and the focus sometimes isn't there all the time. And, you know, it's just uh, part of the game that's always been happening. Like I said, we always had difficulty coming and playing that first game uh, off a long road trip back home in Edmonton. We'd always be awful in front of our home crowd, but uh, we always tried ways of trying to figure it out. We just couldn't figure it out. But just too many distractions, I think. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a tough loss for them. You know, lost a huge point to Vancouver, a team that they were chasing. Yeah, and the L.A. fans have to understand. There's just too much good stuff to do in L.A. Come on. Yeah, there is. But, you know, these guys are pros and, you know, they got to get up for these games. Like that was a huge game going home, uh, especially after they had pretty good results on that long road trip. But, you know, mm-hmm. long road long road trip takes a little bit out of you. Guys are banged up. Guys are getting sick. And, you know, like I said, that uh, would have been a huge game to hold off that uh, – Vancouver team late there and get the two points instead they lose a point in the shootout yeah that was unfortunate so in your experience what was the hardest town to play in when you were on the road as far as distractions are concerned um well LA was always uh it was always you know it wasn't tough to play it was great to play in LA but you know we'd always have things set up like going on the body glove boat and you know, surfing behind the boat and we had other things to do. And, you know, after LA, we'd always go to Palm Springs and uh, golf with President Ford in Palm Springs. So you always had things set up after we were playing in LA, we'd get a little bit of time off. So sometimes you would look forward to that instead of playing the game. So LA with all the nice weather and, you know, sitting by the pool, jumping in the hot tub, uh, you know, would always cause a little bit of distractions and a little bit of uh, uh, difficulty uh, getting ready for hockey games. And I can't imagine what uh, what it's like now with uh, Vegas because they weren't uh, a team when you played. Yeah, yeah Vegas, you know, I know that they're probably uh, kept pretty good tabs on now, especially when you go to Vegas. And there's probably a lot of rules set in place as far as, as curfews and stuff like that. But it's all always up to the individual and uh, make sure that he gets prepared for the game, obviously. It doesn't really help Vegas. Vegas is, I mean, doesn't hurt Vegas. Vegas is always good at home. So whatever Spuddy Glant's doing there, you know, it's working well. (laughs) So other teams should take a page out of his book for sure. Another concern for the LA Kings is face-offs. They've really struggled with that recently. And case in point, Marshawn scores right off the draw against Boston. 
Marshawn's pretty pretty tricky player, but you know you're talking about faceoffs. You know, anytime that you lose a faceoff, now you got to go get the, go get the puck back, and uh, you know it makes it difficult. So especially when your offense in the offensive zone, you got so many plays set up in the offensive zone now off the of draws that you want to win those draws instead of chasing the puck. And then all of a sudden in the defensive zone, you know, if you lose draws there, then the other teams, you know, pressing on the offensive side of things, uh, you know, making things difficult. So, you know, territorial uh, possession of the puck is huge. And, uh, you know, anytime you can win a draw, it just uh, it helps out with uh, puck possession and uh, you don't have to chase and get the puck all the time. So huge part of hockey. And I know a lot of people don't even look at that, but it's a, uh, it's uh, neat that you brought that up because a lot of people, like I said, you know, don't uh, put that much stock into uh, winning face-offs and uh, losing face-offs, but it's huge, huge, huge in a hockey game. They lost that game against Boston 4-2, uh, and I really think that face-offs probably played a big part in that. Yeah, you know, when you get a goal right off face-off, that, uh, you know, obviously doesn't help. And, you know, you're talking about all these games, like LA's out shooting these teams all the time. So, you know, so many things that they're yeah. doing right, so many things that they're doing right, they just uh, uh, they just can't put it all together and get these big points when they need to, you know, just uh, falling a little bit short. They're still playing well, they just can't get it done, man. And Quick goes down sick with a little bit of uh, a flu, and they had to call that finance finance manager in there to be a backup you know uh, yeah he tried quick tried to be a backup for like one period of the game but then they sent him home crazy eh? i guess a lot of guys get sick especially if your hometown is is warm like la or yeah. vegas or any of those arizona and you're used to just being in the warm climate and then going somewhere where it's cold kind of uh sends your immune system for a loop i imagine yeah, for sure. Eh? That Boston game was your 29th loss, and that's as many as they only lost last year. So, again, not a great year for the Kings here, but, uh, uh, you know, time's running out still. You know, we keep talking every week about they're only eight points back. They're still only eight points back, but, you know, there's so many teams in front of them, which makes it very difficult. For sure. A lot of stuff happened against the Boston Bruins. Not only was Quick not in net, but we also had... Carter back in the lineup, and we had Matt Roy, who made his NHL debut in that game. Yeah, and I think you're going to probably see, you know, the way things are going, I think you're going to see a lot of guys that uh, maybe get a cup of coffee and see see what they got. I know that Carl, Carl Gunstrom is uh, really opening some eyes down in Ontario with his speed and his creativity. Uh, he's, he's got an assist in his debut and then uh, February 6th, got two goals, one assist for three points in San Diego. So he's the guy that's uh, uh, going to get a look here before the end of the season. And that's what they're down in Ontario to, uh, uh, you know, uh, progress in their game and uh, actually, you know, get a sniff up in the NHL and make the best of it. And Roy did that on uh, uh, the game against Boston. He's playing for the Ontario Reign, right? Right yeah. now? Yeah, yeah, is, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was down there, but I imagine uh, you know a couple of those guys are going to be getting called up here to the NHL now and uh, see what they got. He was part of that deal that uh, uh, for Muzzin, so you know it looks like they got a good uh, uh, good piece of uh, property back from Toronto, and uh, it's going to be a good uh, uh, situation for Gunstrom in LA in the near future here. 
is that now what the Kings are going to be focusing on more? Are they going to kind of shift their focus? Um, are they going to write off the season and shift their focus to new upcoming players and test them out on the ice? Well, I don't think you're going to write off the season. Like I said, there's still a lot to play for. There is every game right till the last game of the season. But I think you're going to see them, you know, start giving, you know, when uh, things are looking real glum, I think you're going to see them uh, call these kids up and uh, and take a look at them because they're going to be part of the future of L.A. Uh, they've been developing down in uh, Ontario for the for the year and this uh, new guy for the last two or three weeks. So, you know, they're going to bring them up, see how they fit in before they get into the summer stuff and try and sign free agents. And who knows what they're going to do at the deadline? Are they going to drop a lot of salary and uh, make some salary cap room for, for the summer to sign some big players? Who knows? So much is, uh, is going to happen here probably in the next couple of weeks. But again, they're not going to make a move just to make a move. They're going to do the move to, uh, to help the organization in, in the near future. Now, the trade deadline is fast approaching February 25th. It'll be interesting to see uh, what they do. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not easy making a trade in the NHL. It's, uh, you know, you got to have someone that actually wants your player. You know, they're willing to give something up back. Uh, you know, a lot of teams will be looking to rent players for the playoff run that are becoming free agents at the end of the year. So, so much is involved in it. it uh, uh, it's a long process for sure because, you just don't want to give something away. You want to make sure you protect yourself and your organization for the future. Now, is there anyone in the L.A. farm system that's caught your eye? Well, I just said uh, Grunstrom uh, looks like he's a pretty good player. I like that uh, Kel Peterson, the goaltender, too. I mean, the other night he stopped uh, 52 of 55 shots in a win for the Ontario team. So looks like he's a pretty good up-and-comer. And he's spent some time in L.A. a little bit, too, this year so. Uh, looks like they're pretty solid in the net. Yeah, they need. Um, I noticed too. They they definitely need to work a little bit on their power play. It's it needs a lot of improvement. They had no shots against the Washington Capitals. Yeah, I mean power play sometimes. Is, you know, you you get in a drought and you wonder what the heck's going on. You know, these guys are watching video on it. They're working on it, and uh, not it's not by effort. They're not uh, getting it done, but sometimes you just go stale on it, and then all of a sudden you get a fluky goal or a, or a greasy goal, and it turns around. So, you know, power play usually goes in cycles, and uh, hopefully uh, all the dry spell here from the Washington game now all of a sudden picks up in the Nashville game here, and they score a bunch of goals, but... Again, you know they're doing the right things on the power play. They're just not uh, they're just not getting any uh, any um, any bounces. And uh, hopefully, like I said, uh, you know on this road trip here, their power play gets set on fire and uh, wins them some games. Because if you don't uh, score on the power play, you're not going to win a lot of games. You know your special teams are a huge part of uh, any game for sure. For the listeners out there, it was a three-two loss against Washington. And speaking of teams and their power plays, Washington is definitely one team that has that all figured out. Yeah, they do. They got some. They got some unbelievable talent on there with Ovechkin, Carlson, uh, Oshie. I mean, they can uh, move that puck around. And uh, obviously, Ovechkin on the power play is probably one of the best power play guys in the league. So they got the the guys that can do it. And anytime that you do give them an opportunity. Uh, they're going to likely, you know, pretty uh, pretty much score on it every time. But uh, when you play in a team like Washington, you know, you just got to be a little disciplined and not giving them extra opportunities. But uh, you're always, it doesn't matter, you're always going to have your uh, uh, penalties in a game. And uh, a team like Washington, you're going to make, uh, they're going to make you pay the price, that's for sure. 
Yeah, they were two for three on the power play, and both goals, both of Ovi's goals, they were the exact same shot, exactly. It's like they follow a script, you know? They pass it around, get Ovi open, send him a one-timer, just a beautiful pass, and he one-times it in the circle, and he's got a sniper of a shot. Yeah, he's got a heavy shot, and... uh... You know, that's what they look for him. And, uh, you know, teams try and take that away, but, you know, they move that puck so well that, uh, you know, they overcompensate and all of a sudden he gets freed up for a second and that's all he needs. And it's so funny because, uh, you know, it was the same back in with the Oilers, with Gretzky and Curry, man. Like, I mean, teams try to take Curry away on that one-timer all the time, but, you know, you move the puck quick enough and, uh, you know, open up the seams and uh, get the guys running around a little bit. Eventually they come available. And once they get that one-timer opportunity from the top of the circles, it's usually in the back of the net for sure. Yeah, he definitely proved that. <laughs> well, that's another game, though. LAO shoots him 28-21 and, uh, you know, plays a solid game. But, you know, they give up those two goals. They're, you know, what, 20 seconds apart? Uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's really what you got to, you know, uh, can't let happen in the game, especially uh, against a team like Washington. You know they score a goal, and that team gets hungry, and they want to score another one right away. So you got to be, you know, bearing down off the uh, neutral zone face-off draw and, you know, make it tough on them. But to come to, uh, down and score two goals in 20 seconds is, you know, a hole, especially in your, in your home barn you don't want to get into in the first period. That second shot was a bit of a lucky shot. Uh, Connolly tips in uh, a nice point shot by Burakovsky. And Campbell really didn't have a chance. Let's, you know, be fair to Campbell. He That was his second game in net. And he did a great job just to that second goal, like I said, was kind of a, a lucky one. Yeah, you know, like if you put the puck to the net, good things happen. And, uh, you know, it's never a bad opportunity to get pucks to the net. And, you know, there's a lot of traffic in front of the net nowadays in the National Hockey League. Everyone collapses to the house. So, you know, someone's eventually going to get a stick on it. But, again, tough uh, tough way to get down 2 nothing in your own barn. But, they, you know, they don't quit. They just keep coming back, coming back, coming back. And they're just falling short right now. But, uh, you know, I know when people look at the losses, they don't put that into it. And, uh uh, you know, the, the object of the game is to get two points at the end of the night, and right now they're falling a little bit short. They did come back in the third period, um, scoring two goals. I have followed that beautiful tap-in um, from a cross-ice pass from Brown. That was just beautiful. They need yeah. to get more of that uh, shot mentality, just get pucks to the net. Yeah, that's what you want. You want to get pucks to the net. You want to get traffic in front and uh, and cause a little cause a little chaos in uh, in the offensive zone, and uh, you give yourself an opportunity to win these games. So, again, you know they're out shooting these teams and everything. And you know, I know that doesn't mean a lot. Sometimes it means you know scoring chances and quality of chances. But again, you feel so bad for this team. You know that. Uh, all the right uh, uh, things are being said in the dressing room from their leaders. And, you know, the coaches are, you know, watching video and spend a lot of time getting these guys prepared for the games. And, you know, you feel bad for me. Just wish at the end of the night there would be a different result. And like I said, it's going to get tougher now. They had their little home spell here. It didn't work out the way they obviously wanted to. Now it even gets tougher for this hockey club. So we'll see what they got as a group. And uh, hopefully they come back with a big effort here soon. Yeah, the Kings are such a well-rounded team. I don't know. They just, on paper, they seem like they should be winning every single game. They've got, you know, they've got the goal scorers. They've got great goaltending. They've got some speed. And with the newer players coming up, they're going to be increasing that speed. 
Um, and they've even got an enforcer in Clifford who's been really standing up uh, recently. Yeah, I mean, they got all the components, that's for sure. They're just not putting it all together. And, uh, you know, they've all admitted that at the beginning of the year they looked like a hockey team that was going to make a lot of noise in the NHL. But, you know, you have years like that. And, you know, it's hard It's hard to, it's hard to understand. And uh, no one will ever understand it, but things just don't work out. So, you know, it's been a difficult year because I think all – all the team and the organization going in this year were real excited about the, the players that they had and uh, the opportunities that could have been. But again, they're just falling short all the time. And, uh, you know, time's running out here, obviously, is, you know, their last place in their conference. And, you know, to make it in the playoffs now, I think, is a stretch. There was quite a, quite a good conversation going on between Clifford and Wilson in the box. A lot of chirping going on. Do you have any experiences like that of, of chirping with a guy in the box? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was probably one of the uh, worst trash talkers in the NHL. I think the one year they had a, they had a poll and uh, they did all the different leagues at uh, who was the uh, worst trash talker. I got voted uh, number one in the NHL. Charles Barkley got voted number one in the NBA. And I don't know who from the NFL, but uh, yeah, I always, uh, you know, that was my role to make guys think I was a little bit goofy and uh, try and get them off their game. And you know, I did a pretty good job at it. I would uh, trash talk all the time. The one time, uh, Greg Smythe, and I was just on Facebook, and, uh, you know, it's been a year since he passed away, but he was in Philadelphia, and he headbutted me at the end of a, end of a fight, so we started talking in the penalty box, and all of a sudden, I asked the penalty box guy, I said, give me a puck, because I was going to throw it at him. He was really getting on my nerves. They, they wouldn't give me a puck, so I took the water ball and chucked it at him, and uh he chucked it back at me, and he got caught by the referee and got kicked out of the game. So I was laughing my laughing my butt <laughs> off there. But uh, that's on Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em Robots. We made that video, so that's one good thing I accomplished in my career. At least I got on a video, you know. But uh, <laughs> I always had lots of confrontations with lots of guys, and uh, you know uh, those two guys there. You know Wilson, he's uh, he's a hard nosed hockey player, and Clifford is too. So. You know, they had probably had some real good things to say. It's too bad you couldn't have a mic on their jersey because it probably was pretty interesting and a lot of fun, you know. Absolutely. Now, what was the best way, the best approach? What was your approach for getting under guys' skin? What What did you say? Well, there was a lot of things I couldn't even probably say on, say on the air that, uh, you know, you said uh, I was real good in warm-up, just letting the guy know. I would just skate in between the red and the blue line, the whole warm-up, and just ask the tough guy. I said, hey, if we're going to go tonight, let's get out of the way early and uh, let the boys play. So, you know, it was so all kinds of – There was planning. Well, you just knew that uh, they were coming in our building, and, if you know, there's no sense waiting until – the last 10 minutes of a game when the outcome of the game's already decided if something's going to happen let's get it out of the way get it done let the rest of the guys play there's not going to be any cheap crap going on you know no one's going to run Gretzky or Messier hey let's uh, figure that out right now so I was always ready to go at the beginning of the game and uh, I prefer fighting at the uh, beginning of the game and uh, set the tone for our hockey club. So was it a matter of who was coming to play or was it a matter of kind of the vibe of the day or how did you know it was going to happen? 
Well, you you knew what happened. You know what's going to happen. Back in the day, there was probably three or four tough guys in each uh, each team. So, you know, Marty McSorley was my good buddy, obviously, and uh, we started together in Pittsburgh and ended up in Edmonton together. So we were familiar, and we knew who was going to uh, be our opponent that night. And, uh, you know, one night he would say, okay, you're going to – You'll fight Probert tonight, Macker, and I'll uh, fight Kosher. And then the next night uh, when we were playing in the playoffs, we switched it around. So, yeah, we knew what we were doing. We knew what we had to do. And, uh, you know, we were going to make our guys feel comfortable and uh, uh, let people know that they were, were not going to come into our barn and push us around. That was for sure. So uh, we got out of the way and uh, let it well known that we were ready to go anytime. I didn't realize there was so much planning involved in fighting. Oh, back in the day there was, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? When we knew, when we go to Calgary, we went to Calgary, and I knew I wasn't going to finish the game in Calgary. And uh, when we they came to Edmonton, there wasn't really much that happened. It always happened in Calgary. So, you know, at least uh, we showed up on the road and uh, we were ready to go. But we had some pretty, pretty fierce rivalry games with Calgary. To, it got outright, outright nasty, that's for sure, a couple times. Now, there was no instigating penalty back then either, so it didn't really matter who dropped the gloves first. Yeah, but there was a, you know, there was a real mutual respect there. And, you know, I never, ever, uh, I, I can say right now, I never, ever give anybody a cheap shot. I always drop my gloves face on, and uh, most of the guys were like that. There wasn't a lot of... Uh, a lot of the cheap stuff we uh, knew what we were doing we knew we had to uh, face uh, whoever we had to face that night and it was going to be done the right way sort of an honor among thieves i imagine absolutely in case you, unless you lost to the guy 10 times in a row then maybe you, want, you might want to get the instigator penalty on and try and <laughs> change that uh, 0 and 10 record against them you know what i mean <laughs> who is the toughest guy that you ever had to fight you know, I get that question all the time, and I tell you what, I have so much respect for all the guys that fought back in the day. And, uh, you know, to pick one guy out, uh, you know, Dave Brown was tough. John Cordick, uh, uh, God love him, he was uh, real tough. Uh, we had a real good Donnie Brook there in Edmonton, his first game in the NHL, an exhibition game. But you had to be ready every night. You had to be ready every night. There was uh, a lot of good fighters, a lot of tough guys. And, again, I was only 192 pounds, so I was fighting guys 230 that were way – way out of my limit but uh you know i did pretty well and uh you just had to be ready every night every night you had to be ready tim hunter was another guy that i fought a ton of times because he was in calgary real good fighter you know could throw both hands so you know didn't matter you know every night there was someone that uh, was big and strong and willing to fight you on the other side so you just had to be ready all the time and they didn't have tie down straps back then right so you could jersey a guy get it what was your strategy for fighting I just went in there and I was left-handed, so I just I, I took my chances. Ah. I took my chances every time. I left against his right and uh, worked out pretty well. But we did have tie downs. We had to be tied down. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah we had to be tied down. But I wasn't probably as strong as those guys because of the weight difference. So my best uh, uh, weapon was my left hand. So I was willing to trade with anybody except for Joey Kosher and Tony Twist. I did not trade with those guys because if they had hit me, I would have woke up three days later in the hospital and I didn't feel like doing that. <laughs> so you were all about the haymakers. Oh, the, well, I just threw the left, but those guys threw haymakers. And that, like, so if I was going to throw my left against their right, I knew I would not make out well. So I just sort of tied them up and threw with my rights. But, you know, you had different strategies for different guys. But those are two <laughs> guys. Those are two guys I wasn't going to go toe to toe with. Like I said, I would have been 
waking up with a straw in my mouth, drinking a milkshake for sure. Well, I'm glad you aren't because now you're able to do this podcast with me. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much, Kevin. Hopefully the Kings uh, get back on the horse here and uh, we can start talking about some wins next week. Yes, let's keep our fingers crossed. And we'd like to know your thoughts on the Kings season. Is it over? Can they get back up on the horse? Let us know. At Shannon Believes. Either Instagram or Twitter will work. And until next time, thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.